So, repent and believe in the gospel is one of the things we heard at Ash Wednesday, and that's one reason that reading is here today. You know, I, I, I had a sermon all planned, and then sometimes God intervenes at the last minute, you know? I don't know how many of you were fortunate enough to see that, that most excellent rainbow on Saturday. How many of you saw that? Wasn't that amazing? Just at the right moment, 3 o'clock or 3.10, I came over here to get ready for a baptism at 3.30. And over the cross and over the church was this massive, perfect, bright rainbow and, and a second one above it. I've only seen a double rainbow twice. It was a very, that was very faint, but it was there. And so I made, uh, came in here and heard that first reading, which I'd forgotten, uh, just, to, just to remind you of it here. This is the sign I'm giving for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you and every living creature. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall the covenant I made with you. And thought, can't be a coincidence. And isn't that how God speaks? It's subtle and it's not subtle. He's not going to give everything away. He will speak in metaphors. I just, I know you've heard this story, but when we were building the church uh, four years ago, actually five years ago, I was still concerned about whether we made the right choice. You know, I'm nervous, Nellie always worried. And I came out of the, of the driveway, and they were just bulldozing the parking lot that day. And here was this rainbow right over the property at the same pitch as these, basically, of these arches. And God said to me, not in so many words, he said, you know, this is my project. Quit worrying about it. It's my parish, not yours. That's what, that's what Pope, good Pope John Twenty-Third. he had it tacked to his door. Lord, it's your, it's your church, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I thought Pope John was there. Um, today is Temptation Sunday, and deserts come in many forms. It's also kind of ironic that it's snowing this morning. I, uh, I, on my cell phone, I never use FaceTime, ever. I'm very tech-savvy, but I just have never used that. And I had the phone in my back pocket. You know what I did? I hate to use this phrase, but I butt-dialed it. (laughs) (laughs) And I pick up the phone, and there's this face on my phone. I thought, what's this picture doing here? And it's moving. I thought, I'm thinking, who is this? And what are they doing? Well, it was my cousin in in Chicago. Um, They live in St. Charles, Illinois. And they're in the car. I thought, I wanted to say, who are you? <laughs> I, I figured it out, and they said, why are you calling? I said, well, <laughs> I, it was by accident. So they're in the car in a blizzard. They couldn't see three feet in front of them. In Chicago, there was a blizzard yesterday. I thought, wow, deserts come in many forms. It's not just Burns or Eastern Oregon or the Mojave Desert or the Sonoran Desert, so beautiful. I love that desert. But... Deserts are in the heart. Snows, it rains, it floods, you know. Uh, and Lent is a desert, but it's a desert that we make ourselves. It's voluntary. You do as little or as much as you want. But if we have a successful Lent, we will be prepared for the involuntary deserts that come to every person, whether if we have enough money and power to push aside many of our crosses, we will be the loser in the next world because I'm told those very things are our greatest treasures 
because they unite us to Christ. None of us want them, but in the next world, we will be most grateful for that. If I pushed it all away, I pushed Christ away. Again, I've said this before, but when we were raising the, the seed money from the big donors here before we went to the whole parish to learn about all this stuff as a priest, and all I thought I'd do was preach and do mass. How did I know I was going to get stuck with the building? But one of our parishioners said to me, I was kind of concerned about all this, and he said, Father, the risk sometimes of doing nothing is greater than the risk of trying something. Isn't that true? We don't get anywhere without taking risks in life. Uh, to sit and pl- take it easy and, and to take the non-risk way, we don't get anywhere. Whether it's financial or personal or spiritual, God needs us to take risks. And Christ goes out into the desert as a symbol to us. As God, he cannot be tempted. He cannot commit sin by definition. As a man, he could submit himself to that. No, he wouldn't have fallen. But he allowed the temptations to come even though he was God. And really, the 40 days in the desert, the 40 days of Lent, the 40 years in the wilderness for the Israelites, they're all metaphors of life. We go into a desert, we come out of a desert. Life is a series of ups and downs where if we don't have a cross, just wait, like we say about the weather here. You want something to change, wait an hour in Oregon. God allows trials and then we come out. Why does the Lord say, I'll never devastate the earth with a flood again? We almost had one. Was it, what year was that? The Portland almost flooded. Mount Angel was an island. Scary, you couldn't get out. Uh, what that means, really, is that when we're in temptation and desolation, no matter how bad it is, we will not, God, if we stick with God and make that small effort, God will make sure that we get through it. He will always be with us. I will never allow that flood or that fire or anything that on earth to completely devastate you. I will unite myself with you and walk on this temptation, this cross with you. We can't escape temptations in life, but our Lord invites us to walk with him. Uh, life, unfortunately, and I say that because I don't like it, we grow at the edges. Again, the life of no challenge means no growth. God will push us periodically to the edge of what we're capable of. And sometimes it's grief. It can be, again, financial or it can be a family stress, something at work, health, uh, the world situation, anything like this, building a church. Uh, and you're pushed to the edge. But that's where the growth is. Uh, one more little metaphor. God, again, I got a cell phone some years ago that was really large. And I needed a new belt case. I got this belt case from New Zealand. So I, I got on the, on the online and ordered one seventy bucks. Won't come off your belt, you know. It's got a cross that you put the belt through. Got this $70 belt, belt case. Phone don't fit in it. Yeah, 70 bucks. I called, and I got a guy in New Zealand. I said, how's the weather? <laughs> I said, I want my money back. He said, soak it in water put a wooden brick in it, and it'll stretch. I said, I paid 70 bucks. You want me to soak this in water for two weeks? I had Jim Lyman, who works here, make me something that was a little bigger than my phone. We pounded it in there, and sure enough, in two weeks, the phone fit. You see how it grew in trials, and that's the way it is with us. 
It's not that God wants to pound something into us. Well, <laughs> I, see, I see some of you have been there. Remember that sermon one day? God has a plan and I don't like it very much. <laughs> you remember that? Um, but that's where the growth is. And if we go with him, we'll grow and grow. Because once we leave this world, the spirituality and the relationship with God that I have at that moment is what I will have for all eternity. And that makes life a pretty serious business. This is a short life. Eternity is forever. How in Lent and in life is God pushing the edges in my life? He does it for our own good. It's all voluntary. In an involuntary cross, I can't change it, but I can change my attitude. And that's all God asks. Just put that one step forward and let him do the rest. But he, um, he loves us very much, and he won't ask anything that he's done himself. So whatever desert that we may be in, God works with that. He has our best interests at heart if we walk with him.